0: Welcome to Animals Today, your home for serious talk about animals. I'm Peter Spiegel. Did you know about 135,000, some estimates go up to 150,000 American horses are exported for slaughter each year. The threat of slaughtering horses in the U.S. continues and recently a legal victory was achieved by Front Range Equine Rescue and the state of New Mexico that may prevent further domestic horse slaughter. Right now, I'm pleased to welcome Attorney Bruce Wagman, who represented Front Range Equine Rescue. Hey, Bruce.
1: Hey, how are you? Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you. So, uh, Bruce, are horses allowed to be slaughtered in the U.S. presently?
1: So currently, the status is that there's no funding for inspection for horses to be slaughtered, and without inspection, you cannot slaughter horses. So currently, there is no ability to slaughter horses for human consumption in America.
0: And the funding would have to come from the government. You couldn't pay for your own inspectors.
1: Exactly. That's actually been tried about 10 years ago, but we shut that effort down as well. So it has to come through a... Uh, the congressional budgeting process, where Congress would budget money for these inspectors,
0: so there's this notorious slaughterhouse of Valley meat in Roswell, New Mexico, that uh, you have been uh, working to oppose. Give us that story
1: sure um so about valley meat is a was a slaughterhouse of cows for years and had over five thousand environmental violations violations of New Mexico state law during their operations. They closed their their cow slaughter facility and then applied to the government to begin slaughtering horses. And this was at a time when the government allowed or provided inspection for horse slaughter. And so Valley Meat was given uh, the go-ahead, essentially, to start slaughtering horses. And at that time, Front Range Equine Rescue spearheaded uh, litigation, initially only against the federal government, for its uh, illegal grant of the inspection application of valley meat. And uh, the grant was illegal because horse slaughter creates a a toxic meat, but also creates a potentially toxic environment and contaminates the environment. And the federal government did no review of the environmental implications of running a horse slaughterhouse.
0: And so the judge just made this ruling.
1: Yes. So um, it's a little convoluted, but so the the lawsuit I just mentioned is not the lawsuit in which we just got the ruling. So there's been actually five different lawsuits around Valley okay. Meat and around these issues. And the one in which the judge just made the ruling was a separate lawsuit, initially filed by the Attorney General's Office of the State of New Mexico, and joined in by Front Range Equine Rescue and four residents of Roswell, um, seeking to stop valley meat from any kind of horse water operations if the government allowed them, um, based on violations of the New Mexico Food Safety Act, the Clean Water Act, the Law of Nuisance, and the Law of Consumer Misrepresentation. And the court initially granted the state of New Mexico's request to stop valley meat on all of those grounds. And then last week, Judge Matthew Affirmed that along with an order that Valley Meat could never again enter into any kind of horse slaughter operation, nor could any of its affiliates or entities involved.
0: And is that unusual to do sort of this preemptive uh, ruling?
1: Um, well, it's, I mean, this was a, a case that a lot of people have been following and, and took a lot of effort, but the the effort to stop the contamination and to stop the violation of the state laws, it's, it's not unheard of. Often, um, violators will get to go forward, but where environmental or animal law groups can stop the, the problem before it begins, that's certainly something that courts, uh, um, are prepared to do.
0: Are Americans aware of what happens to many horses at the end of their lives or whether, when they're no longer, uh, valuable or desired?
1: I, I sure don't think so. I, I, I've been working on horse slaughter litigation for almost 10 years now, and almost anybody I talk to who doesn't already know me, and I start out by saying, "Yeah, well, I'm working on horse slaughter and uh, for horse meat, and people say, wait, people eat horses? And wait, they slaughter American horses? So I think the vast majority of the American public doesn't know, although there's been a a significant public education campaign by Front Range Equine Rescue and a lot of other groups uh, over the last four and even ten years to get the word out, because the fact is when when surveys are done time after time after time, 60 to 80 percent of the surveyed groups, and these are just across the board, across all demographics, across all parties, are opposed to horse slaughter and the consumption of horses for food.
0: Yes, I'm glad uh, that Front Range Equine Rescue and the other groups are uh, working to bring greater awareness to this. I do think the horse community is a little behind the dog and cat community in, in this regard, and it's, uh, it's great news. And these horses, they are not brought up to be food. They are uh, injected with uh, hormones and antibiotics and other stuff that ends up in, in their meat
1: absolutely correct so i mean that's that's the biggest one of the biggest problems with horse slaughter and certainly one of the uh most important legal violations that we see is that most animals that you eat are brought up and as you suggested raised for food and so from day 1 you know what's going in and what's coming out and there's a record of all that the horses who are slaughtered for food in america come from Generally, three areas. One are domestic horses, pets, who uh, at the end of their lives or when the owner decides they can't use them anymore, go off to an auction. Or an awful lot of, probably, you know, tens of thousands for sure, racehorses who are I- either discards in the racehorse industry because they're not racer- good racers or they're done as well. And then even a bunch of wild horses end up in the slaughter pipeline. And they go to auctions where some folks naively think they're going to go to a new good owner but they're actually purchased by what what are known as kill buyers who then send them into the slaughter pipeline and and then looping back to what you said so throughout their lives especially think about your companion horse your pet you give them all the same medications that you would give your dog or your cat the fact is that there are laws federal laws that say if you give x drug to a horse that horse cannot ever be meat and uh, we have developed undisputed testimony undisputed by the government or the slaughter industry we we provided a list of 115 drugs that 80 to 90 percent of the horses in america get throughout their lives and all of which are either potentially carcinogenic or dangerous or half of them are prohibited from being meat and yet these are the horses who are going to slaughter
0: we're speaking with attorney Bruce Waggin. Bruce, once in a while we hear this story. I remember a recent one from Great Britain of horse DNA finding its way into cow meat. No one likes to hear about that, even your typical meat eater.
1: For for sure. The co mingling problem is a big one, and, and there was uh, an incredible, not scare, but actual discovery of millions of pounds of meat coming from some reputable distributors uh, across Europe uh, over the last two years. And so that's an added reason to be concerned if you don't know what's actually in what you're eating. Again, as you said, meat eater or not. Well, especially meat eaters, they want to know when they buy their ground beef at the store that it's ground beef because they may not like to eat horse. But um, the problem, and so that compounds the problem and the danger. If we begin to slaughter horses in America, then uh, immediately that problem arises because you don't know if the meat might be commingled. I should say also that it's Front Range Equine Rescue's goal to stop the slaughter of American horses. So not just to stop the slaughter of American horses on American soil, but to stop those horses who are being transported from being transported to slaughter and, and to provide space and homes for them here so that the slaughter of american horses ends period not Uh, just in america
0: and i'm glad you brought us in that direction because i wanted to hear how they may be going about that uh how how does how do we achieve that goal
1: well uh, we achieve that goal mainly legislatively in other words there's been a law bill um put forth to congress a few times already called the safe act and that law if passed would prevent the transport of horses for slaughter period so if that happens groups like uh, front range equine rescue and others are very prepared to pick up the slack and begin to suggest both legislative and practical solutions to the problem the horse slaughter industry is often uh, Going on and on and chiding about all the quote unwanted horses unquote in America, and that's why they need to go to slaughter. There really are no unwanted horses; there's just horses that are put into the slaughter pipeline given given the task of fixing this problem, there's a you know coalition of groups, and we've we've produced documentation that demonstrates how the problem would be dealt with, and it would be hardest the first year or two but after that there are solutions that can be put into place that will reduce the number of horses that are uh, that need homes and all that could be dealt with
0: well bruce wagman great work and thank you very much for uh updating us and for your won- wonderful uh, work on behalf of horses
1: you bet thanks thanks for having me i really appreciate it
2: Hi, this is Dr. Lori Kirshner, and I want to thank you for listening to Animals Today. Make sure to visit us on Animalstodayradio.com, where you will see all our previous shows and where you can download them free. That's Animalstodayradio.com, or you can listen on iTunes. Also, make sure to like us on Facebook and join the discussion. Animals Today gets a lot of its support from the nonprofit group Advancing the Interests of Animals. Please visit them at aianimals.org. That's aianimals.org. And I hope you'll consider making a donation to help pay for the ongoing broadcast of Animals Today. Each week on Animals Today, we strive to bring you the highest quality, most up to date information about all animals. How we treat them and their place in society while promoting greater respect and kindness towards them. So thanks for your support. That website again is AIanimals.org and thanks for listening.
3: For the past quarter century, International Society for Animal Rights has fought the battle against dog and cat overpopulation. Its programs include reducing income taxes by allowing a deduction for spay and neuter expenses preventing animals adopted from shelters from reproducing, and requiring the mandatory identification of dogs and cats to prevent dumping the unwanted. For a list of all ISAR overpopulation programs, please see their website at www.isaronline.org.
4: Hello, I'm Linda Gray, and I lost my mother and a dear friend to Alzheimer's disease. Nearly two-thirds of the five and a half million Americans suffering from Alzheimer's are women. Join the fight to help find treatments and cures for Alzheimer's faster by registering at BrainHealthRegistry.org. We collect vital research information online for free. Please do your part. I'm doing mine. BrainHealthRegistry.org. Tax season is here. Many of us are wondering how we can maximize our tax refund and get it faster. Jackson Hewitt, CEO, David Procupec shares a few tips on how to make the most of your tax refund this year.
5: At Jackson Hewitt, we're serving hardworking Americans, making tax season less taxing. And this year, you can have your federal refund loaded onto an American Express serve account. When you do, you can get your refund up to two days faster than an IRS direct deposit. We're going to let folks pop into Walmart and pick up the refund for under 10 bucks. It's really a great deal, one of the ways to maximize your refund uh, this year at Jackson Hewitt.
4: Are there any other benefits for getting refunds on the card?
5: This American Express serve card helps you avoid high check cashing fees. You also get $50 on American Express serve card the same day you complete your taxes with us. It's our way of saying thank you. But the best way to get the biggest refund for which most Americans is the biggest paycheck of the year is to talk to a tax professional and make sure you get it right.
4: For more information, Visit JacksonHewitt.com.
3: The stock market is off to a rocky start in 2016. Between China fears a stalled economy and falling oil prices, millions of investors are now asking, are there any safe havens? The answer is yes. Turn to Dana's trusted friends at Swiss America so you can understand which asset class can offset stock declines and preserve your wealth no matter what happens this year. Please call them now at 800-289-2646. 800-289-2646. That's 800-289-2646. Ask for Swiss America's brand new Right on the Money Kit. Best of all, it's free. Learn more about the smartest assets to own in today's uber-risky financial world. Do it now to maintain your peace of mind. It's so simple to save your savings. And with Swiss America, they will give you the tools you need to preserve your financial future. Don't risk not knowing the facts. Swiss America is right on the money. Call now, 800-289-2646, and ask for your free right-on-the-money kit. Knowledge is power. Don't wait until it's too late. Just call them at 800-289-2646. Do it today, and make sure to tell them that you heard it on The Dana Show.
2: Welcome back to the show. Peter, it's International Polar Bear Day, which is February 27th, which is today.
0: I didn't know there was such a thing.
2: Yep. And in honor of International Polar Bear Day, we're going to learn some facts, and I'm going to give you a quiz. Okay. Didn't expect that. I know. Pop quiz. You like these. I do like these. Polar bears live at the periphery of the Northern Polar Ice Cap in the Arctic Circle. It's one of the coldest places on earth. True or false? Polar bears are also found at the South Pole and the surrounding Antarctic region.
0: Oh, I think that's false.
2: That is false. Okay. What what animals found there at uh, the South Pole? Penguins? That's right. Mm. So the polar bear's population is on the decline and they are considered a threatened species. True or false? Hunting is the biggest threat to polar bears.
0: Oh, I'm going to say false.
2: It is false. You know, so unlike some of the other at-risk mammals, such as the tigers and rhinos, hunting is not the biggest threat to the polar bears right now. Now, they used to be heavily hunted from the 1600s right through to the mid-1970s, but then strict regulations and quotas were agreed internationally to protect the survival of the species. Now, having said that, Peter, they're still being hunted and poached for their meat and fur. And in the areas where polar bears are found, like Alaska, Canada, Russia, and Greenland, and Norway, each of these countries either banned hunting or established rules for how many polar bears could be hunted within its own boundaries. Mm -hmm. I find it odd that the polar bears are a threatened species, and yet they're still allowing some hunting of them.
0: Well, you may find it odd, but nothing surprises me. Well, yeah, that's true.
2: So they're still being hunted and poached, but not as much as they used to be. So in addition to the poaching, what is said to be the biggest threat to polar bears now? Is is climate change. That's right. And oil and gas exploration as well. Oh, yeah. Global warming is adversely affecting the polar bears by causing the rapid melting away of Arctic ice sheets. And they are their floating homes and hunting grounds. Studies show polar bear litters are also decreasing in size because of sea ice decline. Many scientists believe polar bears could be gone for most of their current range
0: within 100 years. I'm not even that optimistic.
2: Today, there are an estimated 20,000 to 25,000 polar bears living worldwide. So, Peter, around the age of four or five, the female polar bear can start having babies. They usually have only about two cubs And they have these babies in a cave they've dug in a large snowdrift. They stay there over winter and come out in spring with the babies. When first born, how much would you guess the polar bear cubs weigh? Mm. A little more than a pound, seven or eight pounds, like size of a human baby, I guess, or 50 pounds? Oh, how about seven or eight
0: pounds? False. False. A little more than a pound. Oh, they're little. Which is
2: about the same weight. As guinea pigs. Oh. And little interesting fact here, baby, polar bears often starve. In fact, 70% do not live to their third birthday. Peter, in the wild, polar bears can live up to the age of 5 years, 25 years, or 50 years.
0: Okay, I'm going to say 25 years. That's correct. Okay, I was just guessing on that one.
2: Now, the adult male polar bear may grow 10 feet tall and weigh over 1,400 pounds. Females reach 7 feet and weigh 650 pounds.
0: that's a big size difference, bigger than I would have guessed.
2: Yes, and how a large animal can produce a cub that weighs just over a pound. Yeah. Okay. True or
0: false, the polar bear's fur is white? I'm going to say false. That is false. You're pretty tricky on these, but explain.
2: Okay. Polar bear's fur is not white. Each hair is a clear,
0: hollow tube. Oh, that's right. I remember about the hollow tube.
2: The fur reflects light, which makes them look white. Yes. The hollow fur also traps the sun heat to help keep the polar bear warm. So in addition to their hollow
0: fur, which allows them to conserve heat, what else keeps the polar bear warm? Oh, you're asking me now? Yep. This is like a fill in the blank question, no uh, more multiple choice. Uh, there they must be fat or blood, flat fat. They're... Well,
2: that's true. They also have a four inch layer of fat underneath their skin and this prevents them from losing any of their heat. But in addition, this is so interesting, Peter, polar bears have black skin under their fur. And the black skin soaks up
0: the sun's heat and helps them to stay warm. I did not know about that black skin. That's very interesting.
2: Isn't that interesting? Uh Polar bear's primary food source is
0: Okay, I'm gonna say
2: reindeer, seabirds, or seals. Seals. All of the above, but primarily seals is mm. correct. Yes. Polar bears have a pretty good sense of smell and they can smell a seal one kilometer away. Wow. And what they do is they crouch near ice holes for hours to pounce on the seals as they come up.
0: Yeah, you know, I know the circle of life and everything, but you see those pictures or the videos where they actually get the seal. It's a little tough to watch. Yeah,
2: I don't I don't watch that. But I read that less than 2% of polar bears hunts are successful. Wow, that's that's... Surprising to me. Yes, and because seals are their primary source of energy, they hoard the fat, accumulating during the hunting season, which enables them to survive without food for up to nine months. Mm. True or false? Polar bears hibernate.
0: Wow. I'm going to say that's true.
2: No, they Uh. don't hibernate. Female polar bears will den with their young... And all polar bears may den for a short time to avoid bad weather. But not hibernate. That's right. Mm. Polar bears clean themselves by swimming, by licking and using their paws to help them clean, much like a cat does, by rolling in the snow.
0: Oh, I say all of them.
2: Actually, swimming and rolling in the snow. Okay. After feeding, they'll usually wash by taking a swim or roll in the snow.
0: How relaxing.
2: True or false? Polar bears are excellent swimmers.
0: Yes, that's true.
2: The Latin name actually means sea bear. Oh that's
0: cute. Oh. Have you seen those videos, those underwater videos of the bears swimming? It's really they really are good.
2: Yeah. They just love it. Oh, those are adorable. And they they can comfortably swim at around six miles per hour and they can swim up to a hundred miles at a time. Mm. And the front and back feet are shaped differently, and they will use their front feet to paddle and their hind feet to steer, much like oars and rudders. Interesting. And their paw pads have these rough surfaces which help polar bears from slipping on the ice. And Peter, another feature about their fur I forgot to mention, polar bears' fur is oily and water-repellent, so it allows them to shake dry after swimming. Okay. So there, we just learned a lot about the polar bears, and again, happy International Polar Bear Day, which is today, February twenty
0: seventh. And Laurie, did you see the story of the macaw from Brazil who had this damaged beak, and what the scientists are doing for him?
2: Yeah, I think I read something about that.
0: This is the most amazing thing. You know about 3D printing? Yeah. And uh, 3D printing has is being used to help animals with like. Tortoises with damaged shells—you can make a 3D shell and glue it on there. Uh, well, this macaw was rescued and had a very, very damaged beak. A lot of it was just missing, and this group of engineers and veterinarians fashioned a beak made of titanium, right? Using 3D printing. Did you know you can print metal with the 3D printer? Well, that technology is now around. They sort of—that is the
2: coolest thing.
0: They utilize powdered. Titanium, And then they just layer upon layer, laser it, and it builds and builds and builds. And the shape and contour of the beak is determined by 3D modeling, of course. And then it's the cutest thing. You've got it screwed into the stub of the natural beak with these cute little titanium screws. And he's got this beautiful titanium beak. You know, macaws need a beak to be able to exist. And so now they've uh, fashioned this. It's really the coolest thing. The yeah. You look upset.
4: I am, and I'm not sure what to do. My neighbor's dog is tied up outside. He looks very skinny and sick, and I never see food or clean water given to
6: him. You need to report this right away. What do you mean? What, you should call Animal Services or the police and tell them about the abused and neglected dog. They can help to make sure the dog is properly taken care of.
4: Okay, I can't stand to watch him suffer anymore. What's the number?
6: Even though
7: most of us take good care of our pets, not everyone treats dogs and cats with the care and compassion they need need to be safe and healthy. If you see that a dog or cat is not being treated properly, report it to animal services or the police right away. Pets need food and clean water and protection from extreme weather. You can make the difference and you don't have to give your name. Help stop pet abuse and neglect. Be their voice. Make the call. This message is brought to you by Advancing the Interests of Animals. Visit them at aianimals.org. That's aianimals.org. There is no getting around it. The great outdoors isn't so great for your cat. From speeding cars to toxic lawn chemicals, coyotes to cruel humans, cats are no match to the dangers of today's world. The good news is animal behavior experts say cats don't need to go outside to be happy. Your family will be happier and healthier, too, without the ticks, fleas, diseases, and the dead critters the outdoor cats bring their owners. And you will never have to explain to a crying child who or what hurt her pet or why he hasn't come home. Cats can enjoy a happy and safe life indoors. The key is to provide attention, exercise, and a stimulating environment. Play with your cat. It's fun for both of you. You can hide toys around the house, too. Just make sure there can be no detachable parts that can be swallowed. You can protect your cat from becoming a tragic statistic. Tomorrow may be too late. This message is brought to you by Advancing the Interests of Animals. Visit them at www.aianimals.org. That's aianimals.org.
4: Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom they are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today.
6: To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-643-2848.
4: A Place for Mom offers free one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad,
6: there's a place for answers. A place for Mom. Call a place for Mom in the next ten minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care, as well as free information on senior living communities in your area.
8: Hi, I'm Missy Tannen, founder of Bull and Branch. Bolland Branch makes the softest, most comfortable sheets in the world for a fraction of what you'd pay in a department store. We only sell online at BollandBranch.com and cut out all of the markups you'll find everywhere else. I'm especially proud that three U.S. presidents sleep on our sheets. Bolland Branch bedding is a fantastic gift for yourself or for a loved one. It's Black Friday weekend, and there's never been a better time to give us a try. So go to BollandBranch.com today for huge savings on our sheets, towels, blankets, duvet covers, everything, plus free shipping. Our products come beautifully packaged in our signature boxes, complete with bows and tissue paper. There's never been an easier way to give a thoughtful gift. So don't miss the Black Friday sale at BollandBranch.com. That's B-O-L-L-A-N-D-B-R-A-N-C-H.com. And use promo code BLACKFRIDAY. Give the gift of comfort at BolandBranch.com. Promo code Black Friday.
3: Do you hear that ringing?
5: I've heard that ringing in my ears for over 20 years. My doctor said,
8: The ringing and buzzing in your ears is
4: called tinnitus, and you're just going to have to learn to live with it.
5: The constant ringing in my ears is annoying. I've tried everything, and nothing worked. So I invested my own money, met with doctors, specialists, and certified labs. After a decade of research, we've developed Tanoxel, a prescription-free, 100% natural and effective way to stop the ringing. And better yet, it helps me sleep. Trying to sleep with ringing in my ears is almost impossible. But with Tinoxel, I started sleeping better in the first couple weeks. I'm so confident that Tinoxel will help you too
6: that I'm giving the first 100 callers a free 30-day supply. Don't let the ringing in your ears control your life. Call now and get your free 30-day supply. Just pay shipping. Take back control of your life. Combat the ringing and start sleeping again. Try it for free. Call 800-930-1669. That's 800-930-1669. 800-930-1669.
0: So, Lori, strange news about the death of Justice Scalia, right? Yeah, tell me. So, so, he, okay, everyone knows that he recently died apparently in his sleep while he was at this hunting ranch or at Sibilo Creek Ranch. And
2: you say everyone knows, but we don't really know if that's factual, right? Well,
0: that's true. There's still some controversy or some questions as to what he died from, <laughs> right. right? Autopsy was not done, probably should have been done if you ask me. Right. But he's, he's gone. Now, where was he and what he, was he doing? Well, he was flown in to this Sibyllo uh, Creek Ranch during a time when there was a gathering of this hunting society. They're called the Order of St. Hubertus. And this is an ancient society of hunters rooted in Catholicism that goes way back to the 17th century. This group was named after the patron saint of hunting the u s chapter was launched in nineteen sixty six and he was there apparently to participate in some of these hunting rituals. It's a strange group. they wear these green smocks and it's like it's, a cult it is like a cult and it's mysterious and ancient and secret and uh weird it is weird and John Poindexter who owns the ranch, he is a leader of this uh, organization. However, it's not certain if uh, Scalia was a member. His relationship to Poindexter and the group is unknown. He was uh, flown in along with his friend C. Allen Foster, who is a long-term Scalia friend and a former spokesperson for the organization. So I want to tell you what their motto is. Honoring God by honoring his creatures. That's the motto of this ancient uh, society that got its start in the 17th century and lives on in the United States.
2: Honoring God by honoring his
0: creatures, creatures yes. by murdering them? Yes. Well, that's, that's how we
2: honor them? That's how we honor that's God? That's not the
0: official motto. It's honoring God by honoring his creatures. Period. <laughs> okay. Well, I can see why this motto may have developed centuries ago. I mean, after all, you did need to eat something. So uh, you, in a way, were honoring or thanking God for the creatures, and somehow it all sort of went together. But for that to be held over to be a motto in the modern hunting age seems to be a little ridiculous. Absolutely. I want to remind everyone to check us out at com, and also go to iTunes. You could subscribe to the show and listen to Animals Today every week. Did you see the picture of the turkey on the commercial airline flight? This was maybe surprising to you, not surprising to me. We've been seeing all sorts of animals on planes, such as a pig, an emotional support pig. That pig was escorted off. But here is a turkey flying on a commercial airliner. Bob Ferber, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Peter. Okay, so uh, Bob, you saw this uh, turkey, this turkey of a story. And uh, what was your impression? What what's going on? Well, it, this is uh, there's a lot of comedy in this, but it's also pretty serious.
9: Uh, you know, the, your listeners, many of them probably know the history of this. That uh, you know, if the issue started years ago about. That there are animals that are for emotional support. And there are some legitimate situations where people need an animal, not because, like a seeing eye dog that helps somebody who's blind or deaf, but they give emotional support for somebody that has anxiety or severe depression. Well, the, as we know, there are animals other than dogs and cats that can be used for emotional support. And, and, but the question is, you know, these people have rights to have their animals with them uh, on things like public transportation, but what happens when you start using exotic animals? And years ago, there was a case where somebody brought a pig on her plane and it was for emotional support, and I think it was American Airlines who really rebelled against it and said, this is ridiculous, but the federal government passed the Air Carrier Access Act, which is kind of in conjunctions with the Americans with Disability Act, Mm And it made it clear that not only can service animals be on, on a public transportation like a plane, service animals being like a eye dog but animals for emotional support. The, they didn't really go much further about what animals can or cannot be on these on planes. They, uh, they left it to the airline saying, well, why don't you use your good judgment in deciding which animals should be on a plane and should not? Well... This is turned for something where somebody has a turkey and says, this turkey has is my emotional support animal. And the question is, how do you deal with a turkey on an airplane when everybody is seat-belted into their seats and they could go on a flight that goes as long as, you know, 17 hours Mm. if you're going to go to Australia or something, or at least five hours going cross-country, six hours. How do you deal with an animal that is has issues like you know defecation and urination and barking or squawking or gobbling right. um right. and allergies people that have allergies
2: Bob hi th- this is Lori does a person need a certificate to prove that this animal is an emotional support animal
9: No um, and this and this is a whole issue involving Americans with Disability Act that they still are relying on that you don't really need a letter from a doctor or a therapist. I don't believe that it's required. However, with the airline the, because the airlines have been given a lot of discretion, most of the airlines are expecting a letter from some therapist or somebody that says this animal is a therapy animal. Uh, in answer to your question, Laurie, it's unfortunately too easy to fake it, to fake emotional support and get a letter, you know, from a therapist. Uh, I frankly know therapists personally that probably would write a letter for me saying that Bob needs, needs his dog or cat or rat or if I had a pig or a turkey that he should have it. And so... You pay a little money, you get the letter, and then you show up, and the airline's like, "Uh uh-oh, well, how do we fit this animal into the airplane? And, you know, the real issue is there's an issue of safety, and the airline is allowed to exclude an animal if they think it affects safety, but... The biggest issue is not the safety; it's the comfort of the other passengers.
0: That's right, so, and you can't and you, you, you can't uh, change seats so easily these days anymore. And if and regardless if the plane is filled, and you find yourself sitting next to the turkey, you're sort of you're sort of out of luck in that situation. Right. Who wants to and, smell and, that you know, turkey the whole flight?
9: Yeah, and you, you, that's right. They talk about changing seats; that's not easier said than done. You also really have a real problem that. You know, some people have compared this to babies, and, and I personally, it drives me crazy, like many people having a screaming baby on an airplane. But the difference between a baby and most animals is, is, the big difference is you can put a diaper on a baby. Uh, so most people are not going to have to deal with a terrible smell or, you know, at least temporarily. But for the most part, the, the health issues of defecation and urination can be dealt with with Bob, on a baby.
2: Bob, on a health issue related note, then let's say you're sitting next to someone who brings in their cat in a carrier and you're allergic to cats.
9: Right. You're allergic to cats and you can't put a litter box on the cat on the plane either. So you've got, and the allergy is a very big issue. Uh, if you're a passenger, you could argue that very seriously that my allergy is a disability. So I have a right as a disabled passenger who has an allergy to cats. I have a right to be on a plane with, with, and you have to accommodate my disability. So right. you can't put a cat next to me. So you've got a person with an allergy with a disability. You've got a person with an emotional disability who's got, who has wants an animal. How do you deal with this? Well, the federal government is sort of leaving it to the airlines and that's not too much comfort because you don't really know what's going to happen. You could get a, you could pay for a first class ticket and pay $10,000 to go cross country and find yourself sitting next to a cat that you're definitely allergic to. Mm. So it's not been resolved. It's going to continue on. It's something I think that'd be interesting for us to keep following on your radio show and see what happens as people keep pushing along. One last thing, though, I really, it's very important, is that this probably wouldn't be coming up except for the fact that so many people are faking their emotional support just so they can have their animals. Right. with them. Right. People are bringing animals into movie theaters, on airplanes, and one thing is that for a regular animal to come on to, on an airplane, you have to pay pretty much a regular ticket. If you can say that the animal is a service animal or a therapy animal, it goes for free. Well, this is spread all over. People know it. So get the letter from your therapist and now Fluffy can come on the plane for free rather than paying
0: $300. Bob, one more thing I'd like you to comment on, and that is the disappearance of peanuts from planes. We were talking about allergies and peanut allergies can be very severe. You can't get a peanut on a plane anymore uh, for fear right. that it's going to, uh, uh, that its essence is is going to harm someone a distant, some distance away.
9: That is a great comment, Peter. Uh, I resent the idea that I can't get a peanut because somebody can idle down from me might be allergic to <laughs> they accidentally ingest a, a peanut, but it's Putting my own feelings aside, it really illustrates a growing trend in this country to try to respect individual needs. But how do you balance that with the needs of the majority? Yeah. Uh, there, I know people with serious food allergies that are very upset that uh, they can't go into a lot of restaurants and get their their special needs accommodated, um, I'm not sure why the airlines have suddenly gone from one extreme to the other and have eliminated peanuts because it's not just peanuts, as you guys know as doctors, there are people that are allergic to everything short of oxygen. Uh, so how are you going to, is it end? I, I honestly don't know the answer to this, but In general, the law about disabilities is that you have to balance accommodations. You have to be reasonable. This is a very easy thing to say when you're talking about accommodating in a public place, you know, hotel or something. But when you're talking about an airplane, when everybody is crunched together and everybody is already complaining about the, you know, the the trade table in front of them is banging into them because of the person in front of them, and, you know, now you're going to say, well, you can't have peanuts and you can't have chocolate and, you know, and not that I'm against it, but, you know, we all recall the days when you could smoke a cigarette on an airplane. That was a, That was a fairly long time ago, but you watch an old movie. And, you know, that was the beginning of it's not fair for people who are non-smokers to have to ingest Smoke. Mm-hmm. So they first put the smokers in one section. Well, that was a joke as the smoke went off of the plane. Well, now they eliminated it. You have people who still say, how dare I not be able to smoke on an airplane? This is simply all an extension of a, a society that is trying to make accommodations for everybody's individual needs, but how do you draw, where do you draw the line? Mm-hmm. And I think the peanuts is a really good example that it's gone a little too far for me. I'm sure you're going to get a lot of uh, angry responses from people now who are allergic to peanuts (laughs) because of my comments.
0: Bob Ferber, animal law expert. Thanks for joining us.
6: You're very welcome.
4: Tax season is here. Many of us are wondering how we can maximize our tax refund and get it faster. Jackson Hewitt CEO David Procupec, shares a few tips on how to make the most of your tax refund this year.
5: At Jackson Hewitt, we're serving hardworking Americans, making tax season less taxing. And this year, you can have your federal refund loaded onto an American Express Serve account. When you do, you can get your refund up to two days faster than an IRS direct deposit. We're going to let folks pop into Walmart and pick up the refund for under 10 bucks. It's really a great deal, one of the ways to maximize your refund uh, this year at Jackson Hewitt.
4: Are there any other benefits for getting refunds on the card?
5: This American Express Serve card helps you avoid high check cashing fees. You also get $50 on American Express Serve card the same day you complete your taxes with us. It's our way of saying thank you. But the best way to get the biggest refund, for which most Americans is the biggest paycheck of the year, is to talk to a tax professional and make sure you get it right.
4: For more information, visit JacksonHewitt.com.
3: This report is brought to you by Shriners Hospitals for Children. The U.S. Fire Administration reports more home fires during the holiday months than any other time of the year. Home fires and deaths increase significantly with more cooking, decorations, and open flames. And the biggest fire risk of all could be your Christmas tree. Shriners Hospitals for Children and actor Joe Minoso of NBC's Chicago Fire offer simple steps to keep families safe from fires and burn injuries with the Be Burn Aware PSA series. Joe Minoso.
5: During the holidays, hundreds of kids are taken to the ER with severe burns. That's why I'm working with Shriners Hospitals for Children to remind you to be burn aware this holiday season.
3: Simple steps like watering your tree daily and discarding the tree once it becomes dry can significantly reduce the risk of house fires and burn injuries. Additional tips include making sure your tree is at least three feet from heat sources and never leaving lit candles unattended. Learn more at BeBurnAware.org.
6: I'm Bob DiRigo Jones, and this is Let's Be Fair. Class action lawsuits play an important role in our justice system. They can make it easier for large groups of people who have been injured or harmed to obtain justice by sharing legal representation. However, a petition filed recently with the U.S. Supreme Court reveals that an alarming number of class action lawsuits are enriching the lawyers while their clients get almost nothing. For example, a class action lawsuit filed over a popular brand of batteries resulted in a payday for the lawyers of $5.7 million dollars but their clients got less than $350,000 combined. Put another way, the lawyers got 94% of the settlement money, while their clients got only 6%. That's only 5 cents for each of the 7 million folks who were harmed. Let's be fair. Compare that to the already high 33% charged by most of the contingency fee lawyers advertising on TV, and we can see just how outrageous that is. So how can this happen? Learn how by visiting our website at centerforamericatv.org.
2: Welcome back to Animals Today. Major support for Animals Today Radio comes from International Society for Animal Rights. For decades, ISAR has been a world leader in the battle against dog and cat overpopulation and its moral, social, and economic costs. Please visit their website at www.isaronline.org. These days, it's a huge challenge to get kids to eat a healthy diet. And childhood obesity, as you know, is a growing problem. There are more and more cases of type two diabetes happening in youth, and that's all because of diet. It'd be nice to say that the parents are 100% responsible for what their kids eat, but truly it's a bigger issue than many families are equipped to deal with. Recently, I learned about Lean and Green Kids, a California-based nonprofit organization led by Barbara Gates, who's been an advocate for children's health for many years. Welcome to the program, Barbara.
10: Hi, Dr. Laurie. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Barbara, what
2: is Lean and Green Kids and what's its mission?
10: Lean and Green Kids is a children's eco health education organization. So, we're working with educators and policymakers to change how kids eat and specifically to um, mainstream, to bring plant based meals into the mainstream. And what led you to start Leaning Green Kids? My kids are grown now, but when they were young, and that was a long time ago, um, I guess I kind of found my calling. They started uh, public school, and I saw what the cafeteria was serving, and I observed what my kids were learning about nutrition, and I immediately recognized that that uh, a lot of work needed to be done. And I banded together with a couple other like-minded moms, and uh, we, we began our mission to improve school food while at the same time um, have the education, have consideration for the environment, and farm animals. You've
2: been so successful in getting your program into the school systems, which is a huge challenge in California. How have you been able to do this, and, and how does your education program operate?
10: Well, I'll tell you... One of the best ways of of networking and getting to know uh, health professionals and education professionals is is, um, serving on wellness committees. A lot of people aren't aware, and I I would go so far as to say even some school districts have not completely understood that there's a federal mandate through the National School Lunch Program that requires schools to have wellness policies, and a wellness committee to oversee the policy and implement the policy. And so um, I have someone on my advisory board who works with the public health department, and she suggested when when I first started this five years ago, go join the wellness committee in your school district. And that's where all the activism started. Um, and I, I found that it was a really important forum for uh, voicing what what was at the time kind of a minority voice for more plant-strong meals, and a great place to meet people and learn about how school, the school lunch program works and how nutrition programs work in schools, and then try to work with the system.
2: Are you finding that the kids are taking to the plant-based diet well?
10: It is a challenge, and that's why we have, uh, we're developing education materials that will help kids to embrace uh, a plant alternative for protein. That's that's our main mission is to have kids and teachers um, and health professionals begin to embrace legumes for protein. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's a challenge. But I find that when we work with kids in the classroom and we prepare food in the classroom, kids are absolutely enthusiastic and open-minded and and. Think the food is delicious with beans for protein, um, but it takes a lot of people power to to consistently introduce kids to these options. And, and I think that's where the challenge is for school lunch programs. They are their budgets are really really tight. So the best of intentions is to get kids to change what they eat, but because of the USDA regulations and the tight budget constraints, it's it's tough. We need everybody. All parents, all teachers, calling all teachers and all parents to please, please get involved and uh, use some of our resources to help create this social change that we are working towards. And tell us a little bit about the Daily Scoop. The Daily Scoop is a wonderful free um, education program that is getting rave reviews from teachers and health professionals and school principals. You know, teachers are overwhelmed with the standards that they have to teach for reading, writing, and arithmetic. And nutrition education tends to fall by the wayside. So this is a nutrition program that elevates nutrition education to a daily practice without adding more than 30 seconds to a teacher's busy routine. And it's just a daily nutrition tip uh, for kids and it can be part of the opening classroom routine or part of the school-wide announcements. And it's just a fun, kid-friendly uh, nutrition tip. And one of the things that makes this program unique is we don't just focus on fruits and vegetables, as so many health organizations do, but we uh, have incorporated into the messages a cool bean of the month because beans can help cool our planet and improve our health. And it's really neat. It's got a, a cultural connection. So, for example, this month is February. So the Chinese New Year is in February. And so kids learn about soybeans. Next month, it's a lentils because the uh, Festival of Colors happens in India. They make a cultural connection and they get some cultural information. And I think that is a real important, uh, uh, important part of the program. Really fun part, too. Barbara, why kids? You know what, Dr. Laurie? we need to be reaching these kids while they're young. I mean, it's the formidable years, isn't it? We know that these, these years in elementary school and middle school um, can, can really impact a child's entire future. And what kids eat impacts a child's entire future. So it's just so important that we get to the kids and the teachers who teach the kids. And the kids can teach their parents. And, and our Daily Scoop program has recipe cards and nutrition tips for the kids to take home just for that reason.
2: Very nice. And if people are interested in what they're hearing right now, how can they learn more, Barbara?
10: Just visit our website. So that's leanandgreenkids.org. Leanandgreenkids.org. The program is free, super easy, and we do need ambassadors to help us get this program into the hands of parents and teachers and principals. Barbara Gates, thank you. Thank you so much.
2: And thank you for tuning in to Animals Today. This is Dr. Lori Kirshner encouraging you to nurture your love and compassion for the only other beings sharing our planet, the animals. Fun facts for the day are about koalas. When early European settlers first encountered koalas in Australia, they thought the tree-climbing animals were bears or monkeys. Even today, people still incorrectly refer to koalas as koala bears. In fact, koalas, like kangaroos, are actually marsupials, which are also known as pouched mammals because the adult females have a marsupium, or pouch, where their young stay until fully developed. Koalas are only found in Australia, and they are one of that country's iconic symbols. Koalas have special physical characteristics that complement their tree-dwelling lifestyle including their two opposable digits to grip branches and to pick the tasty eucalyptus leaves, their main form of nourishment. And these are your Animals Today
10: fun facts for the day.